Amen. Please be seated. You can turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 10. We'll look at verses 16 through 24. Luke 10, 16 to 24. If someone were to ask me, and um, this, is, this has happened actually, someone were to ask me uh, about my spiritual growth uh, over the last couple of years, about what God has been teaching me personally, um, I'd say that I've been learning about joy. That's uh, what I've told a few people. I've been um, growing in joy, growing in the joy of my salvation, and, and particularly how this joy pertains to ministry, which takes up probably most of the hours of my waking time, so a big part of my life. But um, the Old Testament reading, uh, thanks, Brian, for reading that from Nehemiah 8, uh, verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and that should mean a lot to us. Um, a few years ago, it struck me that maybe I didn't really know what that means or didn't have the deepest grasp on it, right, that the joy of the Lord is my strength, uh, that maybe I'd been living and, uh, and ministering largely from my own strength. That's kind of a common term to hear, right? Uh, Christians talk about living not from your own strength, but in God's strength. But um, I think what it means is uh, living in the joy of the Lord is living in God's strength, and maybe I had not been doing that, uh, living from my own strength largely, which is detectable by high constant levels of things like stress and pride and, uh, and things like that, rather than joy in God. And <clears throat> so maybe the, the joy of something else was my functional strength, right, uh, to a large degree at least. If your Christian life or service or ministry is a heavy, stressful burden to you, if you're thinking always in the back of your mind uh, how awesome you are, or maybe even how much of a failure you are, because that's kind of the flip side, the negative side of pride, right? Um, those might be indicators that you're not living by faith, that the joy of the Lord is not your functional strength. Um, maybe it's the joy of success that's your functional strength. Right? Maybe it's the joy of achievement or the joy of good works or the joy of righteousness. Um, and if we define those things properly, those are all good things. Success, achievement, good works, righteousness are all good things if we define them properly, uh, according to God's word. Those are all good things, and they're even great things. But we, as uh, I think maybe probably all of us have heard Joe Pope say, we're prone to make good things the enemy of the best. Right? We make good things the enemy of the best, and ultimately, uh, the joy of these things, success and achievement and righteousness, <clears throat> uh, they can't sustain your life. They can't sustain your life as a Christian. They can't sustain your ministry because the joy of these great things are not meant to be the ultimate thing for you. Uh, the joy of achievement is not as certain as the joy of the Lord. Uh, the joy of good works is not as powerful as the joy of the Lord. The joy of success, even in ministry, even working for the kingdom of God, that kind of success, the joy that it brings, is not as essential or pervasive or lasting as the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's the fuel for your life and for your ministry, and it is tremendous. Does it drive you? Does the joy of the Lord drive you? Do you even know what that means? 
Do you, do you have a sense of that? Have you caught a glimpse of it, a taste of it every now and then, uh, but maybe it's not how you would describe the general tenor of your Christian life, that the joy of the Lord is your strength? Uh, that's what our passage is about this morning from Luke's gospel. Jesus Christ is the joyful one. He's the rejoicing son of God. And, uh, and he tells us where to find the joy that is our, our strength. It's his joy. Right? So, um, so let's listen to Jesus. Let's uh, pray, and then we'll read from Luke's gospel. <clears throat> Father, we are glad that you have sent your son into the world and that you have revealed him to us, that you have given us your very word here in the words of Scripture, and that you've even given us your spirit to help us to understand your word. And we pray that all of this would be at work in our lives, in our hearts and minds, even now as we read your word, as we hear it. We pray that uh, you would do that work that only you can do and grant us the joy of the Lord, the joy of our salvation. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 10, starting in verse 16. Jesus said, The the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. And the 72, that was what he said when he was sending them out on mission, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, And said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So uh, verse 21, I think, is the big one there in the text. Um, It says that Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Does that surprise you that that it says Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit? do you gloss over that when you read? Um, do you gloss over that without the full weight of his joyfulness sinking in? Do you have any concept of the importance of this rejoicing that he's doing right here or the meaning of it, the significance of it for you, for your rejoicing? Um, I mean, if you're anything like me, you probably don't think of Jesus being joyful too often. Like when you think about the Gospels, Um, think about Jesus as he's pictured there we think of the stern Jesus the compassionate Jesus the righteously indignant Jesus the sorrowful Jesus the suffering Jesus but not so much the rejoicing Jesus 
right? Not so much. Um, why is he rejoicing? He had just sent out the 72, or it could be 70, um, <clears throat> disciples ahead of him on their mission. And they were told to go into the towns where he was going to go and kind of prepare the place and, uh, and preach peace to the people who were there and heal the sick, you know, work on his behalf in those places, and give people assurance that the kingdom of God was coming near. That the kingdom of God, in fact, had come near in the person of Jesus, in the king. <clears throat> and he had sent them out in complete dependence on him. Remember, they weren't supposed to carry even, like, lunch money with them. Um, they were in complete dependence on him and his grace, and they were sent out in his authority. He gave them authority, uh, it says, over even all the powers of the devil, right? I mean, he gave them uh, authority and they were to serve in his name as his representatives. So that people who received them, who received the disciples, they were receiving Jesus in them, right? They were receiving Jesus himself. And people who rejected the disciples, they rejected Jesus. And ultimately, they rejected the one who sent Jesus. They were rejecting God, God the Father. So <clears throat> it says in verse uh, 17 that the 72 disciples returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He hadn't told them about that beforehand, or at least it wasn't recorded. Um, so maybe they were surprised by that, or they were excited, right? They had this joy. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they experienced real success in ministry, right? Real success, um, such success that, that even the spiritual forces of darkness were visibly subdued before them. They could tell. And, uh, and we would say that uh, what they achieved, what they achieved in Jesus' name, on his behalf, with his authority, was right and good and excellent beyond any of our experience. Right? Um, we don't know what, what it's like to be these guys. Uh, even if you had a mega church, really, you wouldn't know what it was like to be these guys. Um, and Jesus' response to them was complicated. It was both a sharing of their joy and, um, and it was a warning about their joy. Because he says in verse 18 uh, through 20, he says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, which are these uh, images that you have throughout the scriptures of the, the forces of darkness. I mean, the devil himself is like a serpent, right? So I've given you authority over them, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So when he says, um, when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, he's actually probably referring to something he, he actually personally witnessed because he is the pre-existent eternal divine son of God who sees heaven. I mean, he, he could have seen that. He's probably referring to that. And, and without taking time to go through all the texts in the Bible to explain all the support for this concept, let me just say that the devil was cast out of heaven for his pride. The devil was cast out of heaven for his pride. And, um, and while Jesus is celebrating his disciples' victory over the demons, he really is doing that, he's also subtly warning them about doing the same thing that the devil did. Um, he was cast out for his pride. Don't you fall for your pride. Right? 
He too was given great power, power greater than you can imagine, and authority and glory, uh, like the power that I've given to you to some degree. And, and so don't base your joy, don't base your self-worth, don't base your identity on your success in serving God, rejoice in God himself. Rejoice in God himself and in his gracious self-revelation to you, his coming to you for a relationship. Rejoice in your salvation that your names are written in heaven. And maybe that's a bit metaphorical. This book of life that shows up throughout the scriptures, probably not an actual book. Well, maybe, maybe there's a real book in heaven. But the concept is, like we sang before, that our names are graven on his hands. We're written in his heart. Like God uh, has a permanent love for us. The kind, it's like having your name written down in the book of, uh, uh, like a will, right? Like a, like you're going to be the heir of everything that God has and your name's right there on the paper. It's official. Like that's what's going on inside of God's heart. And that's what Jesus is talking about with us. And it may be that the disciples' joy was tinged with a note of pride, right? Which is not hard for us to imagine. They come back and say, even the demons were subject to us, right? In your name. Subject to us. Um, because when something has gone well for you as a Christian, either uh, you've gotten some victory over some sin, or you were involved in some kind of a, a successful ministry, whatever it was, or you were privileged to see someone maybe come to faith in Christ, to be part of that process in somebody's life, uh, it's pretty easy to feel a bit of pride along with that joy and to tell others about it, right? Um, Jesus isn't saying... Don't find any joy whatsoever in those things. That's not what he's saying. Those things are worth rejoicing over. Um, but he's saying that, that joy in those things should not really be where your focus is. should not be where your focus is because it's too easy for us to distort everything in our lives, the Christian life, uh, to distort it by focusing on those joys in themselves, the joys of success and achievement and good works and righteousness. It's easy for us to distort the Christian life by focusing on those. It is too easy to live the Christian life or to do Christian ministry in order to get that kind of joy. Right? In order to get joy rather than living out of the joy that we've already been freely given in this relationship with God. Right? Um, and that's where stress or pride can be good indicators that the joy of these things, the joy of something else other than the Lord, is, um, is our strength. It's a stressful life trying to get joy. It's a really stressful life trying to get joy out of things that are just not guaranteed to give you joy. Success in ministry is not a guarantee, you know. Um, it can be a proud life when you are able to get that joy. Or it can feel like a failed life when your life is not just all victory all the time. If, if you're trying to get joy from these things, but the joy of the Lord is there all the time. It is there all the time. And it's not that the joy of the Lord will be your strength if, fill in the blank, you can do this or that. It's that the joy of the Lord is your strength, period, exclamation point. Um, because the joy of the Lord is not dependent on you. The joy of the Lord is dependent on who God is, it's dependent on who he reveals himself to be. It's dependent on 
what he has done for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is not dependent on you. You can't do anything to get your name written in heaven to earn your place there. But, uh, but Jesus rejoices that by God's grace, your names are written in heaven. It's done. And he says in, uh, he continues in verse 21 and 22, <clears throat> in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except for the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This is complex. You've got to slow down when you're reading that. But basically, Jesus, at least in uh, verse 22, is saying that only God knows God. Only God knows God through God. Basically, uh, only the Father and the Son know each other in and through the Holy Spirit. Um, And here we see the rejoicing Son, Son of God, Jesus, the rejoicing Son. He's rejoicing in the Spirit. He's rejoicing in his knowledge of the Father. He's rejoicing in the Father's love for him. And he's rejoicing in the Father's grace to make himself known to us. He's rejoicing in the fact that that's grace. And that that's the Father's gracious will. God makes himself known to us by his grace in the person of Jesus Christ. Through the Son. Right? Uh, Karl Barth says that Jesus is the unconditionally omnipotent executor of God upon the earth. He acts on God's behalf. He is God. He's the one who executes all of God's will as God's representative, as God's image in the earth, and he does it with all power. And, um, <clears throat> and so the Son reveals the Father to us, and this is why Jesus is rejoicing, because God is revealed to us. In his rejoicing, he reveals God to be a joyful God. Um, the son didn't come reluctantly into the world when he came 2,000 years ago. He, he wasn't sitting in heaven thinking, oh man, I guess I've got to go down there and fix this mess. You think maybe we could wait a little bit longer? Just don't really want to do that. You know. The son came in the joy of knowing God the Father with the joy of making God known to us for our joy. That's the joy that he came in. What was it that drove him to even endure the cross, despising its shame? It was the joy that was set before him. For joy, he allowed his name to be blotted out of the book of life so that our names could be written there in it. The book of life should only have one name in it. It should have his name in it, the name of the Son of God, but he gives you his own place in heaven. He gives you his place in that book by his joyful grace. The Son's joy is deep, it's full, it's everlasting, and here he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Imagine what that is for the Son to rejoice in the Holy Spirit that he was able to take his relationship with the Father, 
the Father and the Son, knowing each other, he's able to take that and disclose it to us and give it to us as a gift for our joy. And that's what he's rejoicing about. And uh, the rejoicing Son of God came to make us rejoicing sons and daughters of God in himself. And he delights in the fact, he delights in the fact that this is not dependent on you. That's why he's rejoicing. It's not dependent on you. It comes as a gift of God's grace. Right? He delights in the divine reversal of grace. The wise and understanding, they don't get this. They don't achieve this relationship with God. They don't achieve this joy. You don't achieve this joy by trying. Right? No one deserves having their names written in heaven, but God is gracious to little children. And he truly reveals himself to them, which is a delight to the Son of God. It's a delight that that's the way God works. Jesus, in his rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, he's revealing God to us, and he's a God who rejoices to make himself known to us in his grace, a God who rejoices himself in our salvation in him by his grace. The Son rejoices with a pure, perfect, divine joy, and that's the joy of the Lord. And that's the joy that we may enter into. His joy is ours, even as we enter into him by union with him through his Holy Spirit. Right? So the, our union with him is actually indicated in verse 16 where it says, Jesus says to his disciples, the one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me, rejects my father. It's the same kind of language. It's um, it's a little bit different, but it's the same kind of thing going on when John says that uh, the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father, and we also are in Him, so that what is true of one is true of the other, and vice versa, right? And all that belongs to the Father belongs to the Son. The joyful knowledge of the Father belongs to the Son and to all those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Right? So if we are in the Son, if we're in the Son, then his joyful knowledge of God is ours. It's not just that we may have our own meager, pitiful joy about him, because we know something about him. It's that his own joy is ours. His own joy is ours. The eternal, blessed, divine joy of the Son, delighting in his Father's love, is ours. At any moment, any moment, you have full reason, not just for joy, not just for human joy, for divine joy. The joy of the rejoicing Son himself. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we approach our Christian life and we approach our ministry in Christ. Right? That is, uh, we approach it with the spirit of Christ, with the resources of Christ, with the joy of Christ, the joy that was set before him and drove him to the cross. It's the joy of the Son of God himself. So being a Christian isn't primarily about doing good stuff, right? It's not primarily about doing Christian stuff. It's primarily about enjoying the Son's relationship with the Father, as a gift by his grace, but being a Christian does involve doing stuff. Right? 
Being a Christian does, it's not primarily about doing stuff, doing Christian stuff, but it does involve that. And, um, and that doing is to be motivated by that gracious relationship with God. And that means doing ministry. Right? That's what the context is here. Jesus sent the disciples out to proclaim his kingdom and to serve in his name. He didn't come just to tell them, you should be happy with my happiness. So sit there and just be happy. Right? He sent them out to proclaim his kingdom and to serve in his name. He gave us the incredible privilege of representing him. And if his own joy is your strength, you will be excited to do it. You just will be. And it won't be a thing where you'll hesitate because you're not quite sure whether you've worked up the right motives yet, whether you've subdued all those bad motives yet. You know, I mean, hear this. I've seen a lot of people do good things, do good ministry from self-righteousness and legalism and pride. I've had so much experience with that. I just can't do it. I just can't do it because bad motives drive so much of what we do, what we see in the church. I just can't do those things anymore. So we don't do evangelism. So we don't minister in our homes through family worship. So we don't get out there and sweat and serve the poor because of the risk of doing that with this bad motive of trying to get joy out of it and legalism and pride. We don't do those things. If you're a Christian the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is your strength. And it's right there all the time, all the joy you could ever need to motivate your life and your ministry. If you just think about it, this is the joy of the rejoicing son himself. It's yours. And if you know it, you'll jump right in. And if you don't know it, you need to pray to God that you would know it. But if you know it, you'll jump right in. Matters of obedience that would otherwise seem oppressive to you, matters of keeping God's law that would otherwise just be a heavy burden to you, it'll become a beautiful adventure of grace because it's all joy. Even, even if it's a hard thing to do, it, it'll be joy. And you'll think about ways to engage with your neighbors. You will, and it won't be a stressful burden to you at least not only a stressful burden to you. And you'll wake up early, you'll pray, you'll read your Bible in personal worship, and it won't be a matter of legalism for you. It won't be a matter of pride for you. It won't be a matter of just checking that box off. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You get the family together for a few minutes around breakfast time or dinner time or right as they're going to bed, whatever, to sing a song, read a scripture, and it'll be a delight. It'll be a way to engage in the Son's own joy in these things. Because the Son delights in these things. For us to commune together with God and learn about Him. You'll even, you'll even get to suffer for His namesake. You'll even get to suffer for His namesake and not succeed and not achieve your ministry goals. But you won't be crushed because you've got a joy in you and it's the same joy that drove Jesus to the cross and it drove him out the other side in an eternal life. So you won't rejoice in these things for their own sake, right? Achievement and success and good works and righteousness. You won't rejoice in those 
for their own sake. You won't use them. You won't try to get them as a source of your ultimate joy. You'll do these things because of the joy of your salvation, because blessed are your eyes by God's grace to have seen the kingdom of heaven, to see the rejoicing Son of God himself. Amen. Let's uh, pray together. Father, it is... um, It really is unimaginable to us the grace and love that you have poured out on us through your Son and through your Spirit. Uh, We have just a glimpse of it every once in a while as we turn to your Word, um, the Word of your grace, uh, with the understanding of your Spirit. We pray that that glimpse, that taste of uh, what it means to be your joyful children in Christ would saturate our hearts and minds uh, more and more frequently that we would be truly driven in everything that we do, in our families, in our service, in our engagement with our neighbors and our co-workers, in every place that we are, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength because we have it as a gift of your grace. We're thankful for that and pray that you would uh, drive that home deeper into our hearts as we go from here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.